All you have to decide is what to do with the time that has been given to you. Words of wisdom from the wise old sage Gandalf to the young hobbit Frodo. Any Lord of the Rings fans out there, it's okay to raise your hands and admit. It's okay. We can all be geeky and nerdy in that way this morning. That's okay. So this is well into the the second uh, of the three movies or books, however you uh, saw them in order. But Frodo is the epitome of innocence and youth and naivete, and he finds himself wrapped up in this great epic story full of danger and adventure and many unknowns. And it's Gandalf who reminds him, we do not always get to decide the circumstances of our lives. What we do get to decide is what to do with the time that's been given to us. Words of wisdom, not just for Frodo, but for all of us. (laughs) This is not how we expected things to be today. masked worshiping, singing through the fabric, distanced and worshiping together for the first time in this building in seven months. This was supposed to be April, even though the weather seems pretty similar. Our first, uh, what we thought uh, was going to be Palm Sunday was going to be our first time in here, but we are worshiping together for the first time ever in this space. We give God praise for that. Thank you for being here today. It's an awesome moment. But this is not how we thought that the story of 2020 would unfold at all, but we made it. (laughs) We're here. One year and a week ago, maybe some of you remember, we were sitting right here in this lower section and some of upstairs was full for our vision night that we were having here. All of this was just a dream. We didn't even own the building yet, and it looked much different in here as well. And we were sitting here having a vision night of, God, what could happen if we were to do this, if we were to have a, uh, a $2 million giving campaign and, and buy this building and, and, and renovate it and, and, and see what God could do in this place, and it was just a dream and we were praying about that. And yet here we are a year later, we could not have imagined what 2020 would bring. And yet after countless hours of prayer by so many of you and a so much hard work by hundreds and hundreds of volunteers as you look around this space and the rest of the building today. Here we are. And I got most of my emotions and my tears out at the first service, but I saved a few for you here today as well. I've stood on this stage and been in this room alone so many times. It is so good to see human beings uh, out there as well. It is so good to see you here. And I want you to know this. I have not stopped thinking about you, not stopped praying for you since we dismissed worship on March 8th at 1821 Ingersoll, our previous location. And if you're new, this is just new for you, and that's great. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. But for some of us, it's been a roller coaster of the last few months, and I want you to know how good it is to see you. As we talk to pastors and churches around the country that are similar uh, to Hope, you might be looking around today going, where did everybody go, right? Uh, We know there's a lot of people that are continuing to worship uh, online, which is completely fine. You're going to feel absolutely no pressure from any of us. We're we're glad that you're here. If you can't worship with us in person, please encourage people to worship with us uh, online. But as we talk to those pastors and churches, they're seeing between 10 and 30% of the people that used to come every single weekend here, and that's around what we have here. So you're doing a great job, and that's why you see the folks uh, around you today. And even though it feels a little bit different, 
I don't know about you, but it still feels kind of like a family reunion today where you come and you know you're related to these people in Christ, but some of them are kind of goofy looking and you don't know all of their names, but it's a family reunion nonetheless. So turn to the people around you on the side and behind and say, welcome home. Tell them that right now. Welcome home. Next to you, up and down. Look at the people in the balcony. Tell them, welcome home. Yell at them up there, welcome home. And it is our prayer that as the weeks go on that we pray this feels more and more like home for you and your family. But if we can be honest, let's be honest, these past several months have been some of the most painful, frustrating, uncertain times that so many of us have ever experienced. A worldwide pandemic, racial unrest, political divisiveness, hurricanes in Iowa, and now you have to put on your off-road tires and go on an obstacle course just to get to church, for pity's sakes. We're so glad that you made it here. Speaking of a year of detours, why not detours on your way to church on the first weekend, right? Every single one of us have had our story interrupted in a way. And if you think about it, every single one of us, I've got a old playbook here, every single one of us has a script to our lives that God is writing. Our, our lives are stories, and the days of our lives are the pages of that story. You think about it, life doesn't come to you like a math problem or an IRS form, right? You can't just add it up, and if I do this and this, then life will go this way. You have to take life as it unfolds like a story. It's why we love movies and stories, because they're stories. That's how life comes to us. And for a lot of us, if you imagine the timeline, the plot of the story, everything was going along, whether it was good or not so good for you in your life, and we came all along this timeline, and then boom, and we hit this crucible moment of March 2020, and things have never been the same. Our story will never be the same. A lot of you are looking at the, the script of your story and saying, I don't recognize this anymore. In some strange way, I don't know why these stories from my childhood come to me, but maybe God kind of made me a dork growing up because so, he knew I'd need sermon illustrations or something like that. And I remember this moment, my senior year of high school, I got the lead role in the, fall, in the, the spring musical uh, and play. And so I got a playbook very similar to this, and, and, and I had lots of lines and, and lyrics to sing, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save that uh, for later. Uh, we'll leave that to Jed and the team uh, up here to sing for you. But I had, I had songs that I sang. I had solos. I had lines. And I, and I highlighted so much of the book. And it was mine. And I, I became the character. It was Hello, Dolly. And I became the character of Horace Vandergelder. And every ounce of my... I talked like him when I went out to eat to the wait, waiter and waitresses. I just everything that I was, this was my book. And I held on to it. And I lived a few blocks from the school. And it was, it was, I was coming home late from musical practice one night and it was about 9.30 at night and so it was dark and I couldn't see everything and so I was crossing over the street to get to my house and sometimes I would walk or just run home but I was skipping for some reason because I skip a lot, I guess. And for some reason that night I happened to be walking and crossing the road right past the gutter and the entrance to the sewer. And I was skipping along and all of a sudden my leg just hit my playbook and right perfectly into the sewer it goes. And it didn't hit me until I stared like, I can't get that back. That's, that's, that's done for and it's in a pile of you know what. And so it's just sitting down there and it's all 
flipped open and it's getting wet and there's stuff running and it's covered by a big pile of icky, slimy, dicky, blech in there. I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? So I go home and I get my brother. Maybe he'll believe me. And he's like, well, that's weird. Why did you do that? I wasn't trying to. Thank you. And so we go back with a rake and we're, we're shoving a rake down in the sewer at about 10 o'clock at night and we can't get it. And every time we get it, it just flops over again and gets more wet and tattered and torn. So we go home. Now our parents are wondering what we're doing. And so the entire family has uh, rakes and, and forks and brooms and shovels. And at 1030 at night, the pastor's family is walking down Main Street of Story City and then shoving these things down in the gutter just to get my script back. Because I don't know who I am without my script and my playbook. And finally, we, we pinch it and it falls down again. And my dad, what do you do? What fixes everything? Duct tape, of course, and so we get a wad of duct tape on the end of the broom, and we finally stick it and bring it up, and it is just, yeah, well, the cover falls off for one because it's so old, and we're looking at it, and it is nowhere near what it used to be. There's pages missing. They're torn. It's damp. It's moist. It feels like a dirty diaper. It's my playbook or what's left of it, and I'm holding, and I tell you that story to tell you this. For some of you, that is 2020 in a nutshell. My script is in the gutter. What do I do, God? There's pages missing. They're torn. It doesn't make any sense. This story doesn't make sense. And this is where Frodo finds himself in the film as well. Nice, quiet, quaint life in the Shire. Things will never be the same. So what do you do when it seems like the plot of the story is lost? What do you do when there seems to be missing pages or it doesn't make sense anymore? And I believe that God is challenging us with this today. Don't judge the story by the chapter. Don't judge the story that you're living by the chapter on the page that you happen to be in. Some of us think, this story of 2020 is so long. Is it over yet? What if it's just one page in the great story of your life that God is telling us? So how do we move forward? How do we remember that the page we're on is not the end of the story? Jesus shows us a better way Forward. If you have not your Bibles, but probably your Bible app on your phone, I'm giving you permission to take out your phone and open up your Bible app. If you haven't downloaded one, you're going to need it for the season that we're in. I encourage you to download the YouVersion app. It's a really, really neat app, and you always have your Bible with you. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be today in the Gospels, and at all of our campuses that are launching today all around the state, we are starting a brand new sermon series called Once Upon a Time, and by no coincidence, it is all about the power of story, and not just any stories, but the stories that Jesus told called parables called parables. Parables are just stories, things that Jesus saw in the world around him that he used to connect with other people. Not a lot of people ask, more, more people than you think ask in the last 10 years. People have come up to me before after service and say, John, why do you and so many of the pastors at Hope use so many movie clips? What is this, a movie theater? I thought we were teaching the word of God. Why don't you teach more like Jesus? And then you look at the gospels and you read parable after parable and story after story and you realize oh wait maybe he did of all the ways Jesus could have taught us he taught us through stories because Jesus as the smartest man who ever lived 
the smartest human being who ever lived, knew that story is the language of the heart. And if it's going to sink in, and if Christianity is not just going to be it's an intellectual pursuit that we agree with hypothetically, these concepts in our head, but that your heart is literally gripped by the story, Jesus is going to tell stories. Because he wants to let it, you to let it all the way in, in your heart. And in chapter 4, Jesus tells this story, a hypothetical story, about a sower, a farmer that goes out and scatters seeds. And those seeds fall on four different types of surfaces on the ground, and they have much different results. And Jesus later on explains it because they don't get it. And if you don't get the Bible sometimes, that's okay. The disciples hung out with Jesus for three years, and they were still like, what? I don't get it, right? So don't feel so bad if you don't get it. So Jesus explains it to them, and he says there's different ways that God's word can land on our heart just like the ground, just like the soil. And we get to the last one, and Jesus says this is the preferred way of receiving God's word. Let's read it together up on the screen. You have to do it a little bit louder to get through your mass so we can hear each other here. Mark chapter 4, verse 8. This is on the screen. Let's read it together. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Good soil. Not hardened hearts, not full of weeds, but soft, receptive, and open. How do you persevere in a world gone mad? How do you find the strength when you say, I don't feel like getting up on Monday morning. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like stepping back into that emotionally draining relationship. How do you keep turning pages of this story and not lose heart? Number one, you keep your heart open. You keep your heart open so you don't lose heart. You keep your heart soft. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, encourage us to not grow weary and lose heart. But if we're honest, can we be honest? We're always honest. A lot of us have. There's been multiple moments, I'm sure, if you're anything like me, where over the last several months, you just like, I just feel like quitting. (laughs) Are you kidding me, God? This, after this, after this, it's easy to grow weary and lose heart. You're tired of getting your hopes up for things to get better at work or at home, and and you're weary. It's so easy as you watch the evening news or scroll through your social media feed. I'm so weary of the hatred. I'm so weary of the divisiveness of our world. And what I've seen from so many people, including Christians, is we give up. We dismiss it and we say, you know what, to blank with the world, right? Everything's falling apart anyway. And we just shut down our hearts. That's not what Jesus is talking about. The other reaction I see a lot of people having these days is that we just grow bitter. And we grow cynical to the world around us because things are probably just going to keep getting worse and our hearts get hard. You ever try to plant a seed on a sidewalk? (laughs) You ever try to plant a tree on concrete? It doesn't work, right? Why? Because there's no roots, because it's not soft, it's not receptive. How's your heart today? How's your heart during a pandemic? How's your heart, moms and dads, as you try to navigate school these days? Have you let it grow hard? Have you given up? Regardless of how your heart is this morning, I've got really good news. Jesus can come and make it good soil again. He can make it soft. He can make it receptive. How does that happen? And this might be the hardest part of all. You give him access to your pain. Some of you have let Jesus, if your heart is the rooms of a house, you've let Jesus into all the different rooms that you feel comfortable with. 
But there's those closets and there's those rooms where you'd prefer to keep the door shut because it's just too sensitive. It's just too painful. I'm not going to let him go there because that really hurts. Where is Jesus in the middle of the mess of 2020? Right in the middle of it. And he's been with you the entire time and he can soften the hardest of hearts. How can he do that? How does that happen? When you put your hope in the Lord. Ancient words, timeless truths from the prophet Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Let's read it together, nice and loud like you mean it. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. I don't know about you, but I could use some of that. Amen? How do you not lose heart? How do you not get weary? It sounds so simplistic, but so important. You put your hope in the Lord, not in a human leader, not in a political party or the latest news cycle or the power of positive thinking. If your hope is tethered to things of this world, it will always be a roller coaster. When the world's up, you're up, and when the world's down, you're down. When people's opinions of you are up, you're up, and when people's opinions of you are down, you're down. It was never meant to be that way. But if your hope is in the God who never changes, now it doesn't matter what the story is, what's happening in the story. It doesn't matter how hard the chapter that I'm living is. I know the end of the story, and my Savior has taken care of eternity for me. Therefore, I can trust him with Monday morning. Amen? I know the end of the story, and my hope is in Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So back to the story, now when I have been planted and I'm this little growth, this tree that's growing up, and the wind comes and the storms come, when life gets hard as a Christian, I'm not going to give up on my faith just because things are hard. No, I've got a root system because I put my roots down in God's word and in his promises, and my hope is in him, not the comings and goings of the latest news cycle. My hope is in Jesus alone. This chapter might be tragic, but the story is not over. Turn to the people around you and say, it's not over, baby. Tell them that right now. It's not over. Tell them that like you mean it. It's not over. I've got roots. Because now, instead of being defined by my pain, instead of being defined by my circumstances, my feelings from day to day and my circumstances are put in their proper place. They're just a chapter. They're not the end of the story. How do you find strength to keep going in the story? You don't lose heart. And then and only then can you move to the second part, to rewrite the chapter, to rewrite a new story. Gandalf says to Frodo, you don't get to decide the script, but you get to decide how you respond. For some of you, you're thinking, oh, in my story, you're going to get to that chapter called 2020, and it's called 2020, the disaster 2020, are we there yet? Are we done with this yet? Is it over yet? And my prayer for all of us is we could turn to that chapter and it would read the title, Obstacles to Opportunities. Obstacles to Opportunities. When you think about it, that's the story of the Bible. That's the story of God's mission in this world. God takes things that were meant for evil. God takes obstacles and turns them into opportunities. There's a giant named Goliath. Maybe you've heard of him. And the entire Israel, the nation of Israel is enslaved to fear. And God, that's a perfect opportunity. I'll get this little teenage boy to knock him out with a rock from the stream. To show my power. 
Oh no, they're having a, a wedding and, and the wine has run out and so the host of the wedding is living in guilt and shame and Jesus says, I've always been the life of the party. And so Jesus shows up and says, you see those empty barrels? Fill them up. It's an obstacle. It's actually an opportunity. It has nothing to do with alcohol. It has everything to do with Jesus looking you in the eyes today saying, I will always fill you up. I will always be enough for you when you're empty and you can't get filled up on anything else. I'm always enough. Obstacles to opportunities. Jesus is teaching this parable in Mark 4, by the way, from a boat. Because the crowds have grown so big around him that he has to step back into the lake and steps into water. He says, guys, bring the boat over here. I'll just preach from the boat. I'm going to try that sometime, by the way. (laughs) Obstacles to opportunities. You want to talk about the greatest obstacle that was ever turned into an opportunity? How about a Roman instrument of torture that Jesus says, I'm going to turn into a symbol of victory forever and ever and ever. So much so that some of you have it hanging around your neck today. An instrument of torture that God took something meant for evil and turned it for good. Don't you think he can do that again? He's already done it forever. Obstacles to opportunities. When the world is hopeless, when people have lost hope, Jesus steps in. And because we follow Jesus, because you follow Jesus, that's exactly what you've done over these last seven months since COVID hit. You've seen obstacles as opportunities. You've rewritten the story of Hope Des Moines. Maybe this crossed your mind when you heard about COVID. Oh man, the church is doomed. Oh, we we can't meet in a building for an hour on Sunday morning. Oh heavens, what are we going to do? Chapter 2020, the church gives up. The church dies. The church quits. The church shrinks back in fear. But that's not at all what happened. Because you remember what we say every single week when we leave. Now that you've come to worship, go and be the church, right? You remember. And that's exactly what you've done. If you've been disconnected or you just need a reminder, this is not to puff us up. This is to say, yay, God. This is to say that the church is not a building. It's people. In the last seven months, you have helped contribute over 10,000 masks at all of our campuses. We've had hundreds of volunteers preparing this facility for 14 different workdays over the last seven months, pouring their heart and soul into everything that you see. This is you. You did this as a part of that. You've donated hundreds of pounds of food to local food pantries. Dozens of volunteers helped bring Vacation Bible School online to over 15 states and six different countries, obstacles to opportunities. Your small groups didn't stop meeting. They continued online and in parking lots and in parks. Hopesters served all over the city cleaning up after the storm. Our awesome volunteer care team joined our staff and over a two-month span called over 1,300 people that call Hope Des Moines home to check in on them to let them know that God loves them. Outdoor worship during the month of September to do that. We knew how to do church out of the back of a trailer. We did that for six years. So we knew how to do that. Obstacles to opportunities. Hundreds of you have said, hey, there's all this going on in our world of racial unrest, and so we're going to join up with our friends from Elam Christian Fellowship and do these Be the Bridge classes, which have been transformative for so many people. You may not know this, but over the last several months, we've had the honor of hosting every week here over 20 pastors from 12 different denominations. I counted as I sat in the circle, and we've met and we've prayed together, and we've worshiped together, and we've collaborated together on how we can reach out and serve the city because during a crisis and really anytime, it doesn't matter what the name says on the door, what type of church we are. At the end of the day, we are not competing with the churches around us. We are on the same team for the sake of the kingdom. 
Amen? And that's what we've been doing. That, we've been hosting that here. God's been doing amazing things. And I will tell you, our staff, I don't toot their horn very often, but I'm going to today. Because you got to know this. So much happened behind the scenes that you will never know, but you will not find a more passionate, dedicated team willing to do whatever it took to connect you to Jesus and each other during this pandemic. You might think the church shut down and that we've just taken a long nap. <laughs> we've been busier since this hit than ever before. And there are, I have been a part of meetings with our team that serves this church where they have literally been weeping because they're just trying to figure it out. Because they want to know you so bad. They want you to know the love of God and they want to stay connected with you so bad. And they have been working tirelessly to do that. The seven months to serve you. Can we give God praise for our awesome staff here at Hope for Morning? It's been an amazing job. So over the past several months, I've been asked hundreds of times, it feels like, John, when is Hope going to reopen? And I appreciate that question because I think they mean this. And it's a good question, and I share that with you. I was eager and, 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 and waiting for this as well to get back in the habit of weekly indoor worship, and I get it. But I can say unequivocally, hope never closed. The church never closed because the church is not a building or an event once a week. It's people on a mission. And it is the story of this church you are sitting in this beautiful space today knowing that you're a part of a story. You're a part of a church that for the first six years set up everything that we had in a trailer for six years. And some of you did that and pulled that trailer and got the lock stuck on the trailer and carried it in in six below weather in that trailer. And then for another six years, we renovated a former car dealership and the church happened to meet in this building. And now for the last seven months, we haven't been able to meet. And yet the church is here. The church is alive. It looks different, but it's growing and it's, it's, it's changing and it's innovating. And the church didn't quit because the church is not an hour a week Following Jesus is our entire lives. Amen? That's why we're here. That's the chapter of 2020 for us as a church. You rewrote the chapter. Obstacles to opportunities. Not just because we're great, but because we have a great God. And you're going to hear so much more about this next week as we're going to make a little bit more, share a little bit more about this exciting coming merger with our friends at Elam Christian Fellowship. If you've been paying attention at all, I would encourage you to go back to our social media, go back to the website, read up about it. But I will tell you this, as we join with a multicultural church in the coming months, and this, the makeup of this room is going to look a lot different, and I could not be more excited. A divided world is desperate for a unified church. A divided world is desperate for a unified church. We have the opportunity to rewrite the script of hatred in the city of Des Moines, for God to use us as a part of that. Opportun obstacles to opportunities. Earlier this fall, our friends at Des Moines Public Schools reached out because of all the stress that they've been under. We've been praying heavy for the administration of DPS this year with everything that they've been in, and I'm sure you've seen it in the news they can't keep doing what they've done before. They just can't do it in a, in a safe way in the spaces that they have as the schools have shut down. And so they had to move out all of the food pantries from all of the DMPS schools all over the metro area. And they said, we need help with that. And so we saw this as an opportunity to say, maybe the church 
could be the ones that step in. Maybe it's the church that should have been taking care of the hunger problem in our city to begin with. And so this next week, we are going to start a drive through food pantry once a week when we'll need volunteers for that. You can sign up. It starts this coming Saturday. It's all going to be online. You can register uh, for that. We'll do it in a safe, mass, distant way and to help families as they come through to serve them. Who should be on the front lines? The church. When people are hurting and broken and hungry, I want them coming to the church to experience love in tangible ways and then to know the love of Jesus Christ in their heart. An opportunity for the church to maybe redefine success. And as you look around today, you're like, this is how I imagined it. (laughs) Feels kind of not full in here, right? Maybe what mattered all along and maybe success for the church isn't how cool and polished everything is. Maybe success for the church is how well we love our city with the love of Jesus Christ. That if we left tomorrow, would the neighborhood around us weep? That would be the definition of success. Does it matter that we're here or are we just coming and putting on a show every week? Does our worship and our prayers move to action? Do we become the hands and feet of Jesus? Do we actually get in groups and build community? Do we move from rows to circles? That's my challenge for you today, is to be the church. What do you do when you've lost the script, (laughs) when the story feels like it's fallen apart? You don't lose heart. You rewrite the chapter, and last but not least, you remember what has not changed, the author of the story. And I will be honest with you, standing here today, the task before us as a church seems pretty overwhelming. Be a place of hope in the city. Be a light in the darkness. Be a unity agent. Be a church that changes the game when it comes to race and unity in the city. Don't fear about the future of our country and the the political future of our country. Everything is changing, John. I'm looking around me. I don't even know the people sitting around me today. What happened to my church, right? Not to mention... This is really big. Have you noticed? I'm just kind of looking around today going, It can feel very overwhelming and impossible, which is exactly where another unlikely team called the Hickory Huskers found themselves in 1954. Speaking of stories, you know you're not going to get a sermon from John without Hoosiers once in a while. (laughs) Speaking of teams, quick little shout out to the Iowa State Cyclones for those of you that are Cyclone fans. Just had to sneak that in there. Forgot to mention that at 930. I repented. I've been forgiven. Okay. But I want to tell you about my favorite team of all time, the Hickory Huskers, from a very, very small town in Indiana. This is based on a true story. It's a movie called Hoosiers. And in this final clip, you're going to watch as this team from a tiny gym, oh, I don't know, like Hubble Elementary-sized gym, steps into the arena where they're going to play the state championship against the defending state champion. Huge big school from the big city, South Bend Central. And this tiny little school where seven boys went out for the high school basketball team. (laughs) They've never been in a two-story building before besides their school. And they step into this giant new space. And they're overwhelmed until their coach reminds them of what is truly important and what has not changed. Let's take a look. That's really big. 
but so is our God. Amen. So is our God. And although it seems like everything has changed in the world and everything has changed about your church, there is something that has not changed. And you may have noticed it. Nobody's going on my shoulders. But I do have a tape measure because I always keep one on the altar just in case I need to measure the cross or something. You may notice this cross looks pretty familiar for those of you that were with us at Ingersoll and well actually I don't need to measure it because I know it's the same because we put it up yesterday and it has not changed and it's the same cross and it may, may change when you move into a new house you change things it may not be our cross forever but it's not the cross the physical cross that we put our hope in it's the Jesus who died upon that cross and has victory forever and there is everything has changed around us except one thing the author of our stories Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday today and forever and this may be big but our God is even bigger and he has been and will always be the one in control. Amen? The author of our stories. The cross is the same. Our God is the same, which means our mission is the same. No matter if we're in this building, a gym, or a car dealership, to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never heard it this way before, but I want you to understand it today. There is a huge difference between certainty and confidence. Certainty is about what? About what might be coming in our story or what has already happened. Confidence is about who? Confidence is about who? And as you hold those tattered pages of your story today or whatever's been going on in your life, we may not have certainty today about where or what is gonna happen in our story, but we can have confidence in who our author is and that changes everything. You can have confidence today because while even holding that tattered story, we may not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, and his name is Jesus, and he is the roaring lion who declares to you today, the church is not closed, it never closed. You can't cancel hope, amen? You can't cancel the love of God. It has always been and will continue to be with you. So don't lose heart. Rewrite the chapter of this story with us. You're a part of this story and put your confidence in the author who has not given up on you, whose love is for you, and he is here. And I hope that you feel that today, not just feel it, but know it deep down inside. God's spirit is here, and today is a very special day. It's a holy moment. It may look nothing like we thought it was going to, but it's still a holy moment. And so we thought we would just take a short time on this first weekend together, as we did at the first service today. We're gonna do a short blessing over this space, not just this room, but the entire building. And we're gonna do a full service of dedication of this space once our friends from Elam join us in a few months. We're excited to do that with them as we join together as one church and dedicate our church home together. But today, in this holy moment, what I want you to do is I want to invite you to stand wherever you are, top or bottom. And in the Bible, it says to <laughs> lay on holy hands. We're not going to lay holy hands on each other, but on this space. And so wherever you are, if you would just lift up like you're laying hands on this building and stretch it out and reach to every corner of this space. Not just this room, but the entire building. And today, let us pray this blessing on this first Sunday. 
God, we thank you that your spirit is already here. It's been here for hundreds of years. This is your building and we are your church. And we say, come, Holy Spirit, fill every part of this space. We surrender it to you. It is not ours. And we are standing on the shoulders of giants, of those that have gone before us, of services and church members that have been here long before us. And our spirits join together with our brothers and sisters from Elam that will call this church home with us. And God, would you unite our spirits together as one in this space already as they worship online today. God, we love you. And we thank you that you are here. You've been waiting all night for us to come and to meet with you today. And so would your Holy Spirit flood through these halls for years and decades and generations to come as our children and our grandchildren run through these hallways. God, we dedicate this space to you. It's already yours, and we surrender it to you again today. Come, Holy Spirit, flow through this place. Would your spirit and your love be so thick and so evident that every single person that walks through these doors would know without mistake your unconditional love. Jesus, we pray all of these things in your name, and we all pray and agree together. Amen. Amen. And by no coincidence, we're here, and it is a communion Sunday where we say, God, we need you. We're desperate for you. And so just like everything else, communion looks a little bit different today as well. Hopefully you received a little kit on your way in today, almost this too convenient communion kit for you today. But if you can take that out, there's two different layers to it as the top is the bread and the bottom is the wine and as you take that we do remember that those same disciples that Jesus taught on the night that he was betrayed took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it gave it to them saying take and eat this is my body broken for you again after supper he took the cup and when he'd given thanks he gave it to them saying take and drink this is the new covenant in my blood my promise that I can wash you clean and forgive all of your sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as you have the wafer and you have the wine, wherever you're at, as you take that bread, know that this is the body of Christ broken for you. And then the second lip, take off the bottom layer and pull that back and receive the blood of Christ shed for you. And as we receive his grace this morning, as you receive the bread and the wine, know that God's presence is here. And we pray this prayer that as he sends us from this place, that we will be his hands and feet. Let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us. The words will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now may you know today is that you have received the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that your sins have been completely forgiven. 
that your sin and your guilt and your shame and your fears and your anxiety about the world we live in has been nailed to the cross so that you would not have to carry it any longer and that you have been set free to live for him and to worship him and to reach out to the world around you and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're going to close with a very, very important song together. We've done it before, and it's simply called Holy Spirit. And just as we lifted holy hands in prayer a moment ago, let this song be a prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this place and flood the atmosphere. So don't make words that you sing. May this be our prayer this morning. Be fully present here as the team leads us in this song together. Sing it out through your mask with everything that you've got, and may this be our prayer over this space. Come. Holy Spirit.